Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Living Southern Oregon. Today, I have Shannon Keegan. She is a water relationship coach at Intrepid Water, as well as a wife, mother, endurance swimmer, and podcaster. She works with humans of any age to rediscover their innate aquatic abilities and take the first step to improve their experience in the water. She's called Southern Oregon home since March of 2013. All right, welcome, Shannon. Thank you, Simona. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. To be on the other side of the microphone. I know. I love it. (laughs) For listeners, when I was very first trying to figure out how to do this podcasting thing, Shannon and I tried real hard. It didn't work out to get together so she could help me with this process. But yeah, our our schedules, I did figure it out. And our schedules just, yeah, finally, now we connect. So welcome, welcome. So excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I want to know how you came to live in Southern Oregon. You just, you moved here in 2013. Where were you before? I was in um, a small town in northern Vermont, in the northeast kingdom of Vermont, Newport, Vermont, um, about two miles from the Canadian border. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cold. <laughs> it, um, beautiful, beautiful, magical summers, and um, I quite enjoy the fall and the winter, and, you know, every every season there is so vibrant. It was, it's a very different experience, but I grew up out west, and um, my husband's from Maine, and after he finished, he's a physician assistant, and after he finished school in Utah, we, he got this opportunity to go in Vermont, and I had this idea to... I had this romantic notion. I grew up in Colorado, and I had a romantic notion to, like, live in a New England town. Because even though we got snow in Colorado, it just never seemed like it was quite, you know, enough to shut down the schools and whatever, whatever. <laughs> you wanted to <laughs> shut life down. I wanted to, see, I wanted to <laughs> see what it would be like to really live somewhere that was really cold a lot. So when he had this opportunity to come up to live in, um, to move to northern Vermont, I was like, all right, let's do it. I, um, I was working, I worked virtually. I think I was working virtually since, like, 2003. For I was working for Microsoft at the time, and I was able to just transition my job, and my husband was able to start his new voyage into being a physician assistant. So we were out there for a few years, but lots of family was still out west, and so trips to visit were really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and after some amount of time, well, I, I, it was a blessing for me in a lot of ways. Growing up a swimmer, I was... I decided to work through some of my open water swimming fears. This is a really important part of my personal story. Just having grown up landlocked in Colorado, never really did any open water swimming or anything. And out in Vermont, there's just lakes everywhere. And um, and I just love being in the water, love swimming. And I saw some amazing... It was just this whole different part of the culture to like be in the water that I wasn't familiar with. For it being just a part of your everyday existence in the summer. And I enjoyed all that for everything that I had to offer. But when we decided to move back west, my husband was looking for a job and he was able to get a position at Southern Urban Orthopedics and works with Patrick Denard in shoulders, which is a convenient thing for me as a swimmer and a coach. (laughs) (laughs) Having very convenient. (laughs) All my questions about shoulders. (laughs) Um, So we moved out here in 2013. 
I mean, when we when we first came here, so I, I had, we, my husband and I had met in Boise, Idaho, which I adored because the mountains were right there and there was a river there. And we had spent some time in Utah. Like I said, I grew up in Colorado, I went to college in New Mexico. I've been a lot around the West. I lived in Southern California for a while. But when we came here, it was like this magical, like, if it could possibly be a little bit of everything that you could ever want, but not too much, <laughs> which I just loved. I mean, we, we were in really rural Vermont where, I mean, it was an hour and a half drive to like, to go to a Target or something. Okay. So, I mean, we made the, we made use of UPS <laughs> and home delivery was it like real, cause there was wow. one general store in town that you could get things at. So to come to a place where we could get to like amenities, but we'd learned a lot to become more resourceful. There's great things about living rurally mm-hmm. like that. But it was really nice to kind of be at a place where if, like, if you needed something, you could just pop up the store and get it and then come home. And, and still be rural. And still be pretty rural. We, we live right on the edge of an orchard, so a beautiful view of the orchards and the hills. And um, my husband could pop over to work in Medford. And I guess part of the reason we ended up settling in talent was... Um, I found there was a group of master swimmers, the Rogue Valley Masters, who swim in Ashland. And so I was like, okay, well, you go to Medford, I go to Ashland, and we lived right in talent, and we were just so lucky that we came out here. We flew out here for a weekend, and we were able to find a place to live. We saw two <laughs> two properties. Yes. <laughs> and, we, and we were buying at the time. We were just renting, and we just... Had, found the most amazing landlord who just fell in love with us and was willing to accept our two dogs. <laughs> and magic. <cats. laughs> yes, right. It was so magical. And it was a brand new construction. Um, and we looked at one other place in Jacksonville and um, decided we wanted the openness. And like, just the, I was cycling a little bit at the time and um, like how you're on phosphorus, on phosphorus, like you just ride right out mm-hmm. of town into the foothills. And so, we just settled there and ended up buying a place a year later from our landlord and adding on to it and started a family and there the rest go. is history. <laughs> Coming yeah. up on 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So West Coast, always your home, but the job is what led you to Southern Oregon specifically. Yeah, for, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then just, and like, just a love, just like literally we came here for a weekend, like found a place to live magically, but just everything was just pretty amazing to see there was I mean I started open water swimming at this point been swimming about three or four years open water and um just to see that there's a swimming community that I could hook into because I work remotely it was kind of always important for me to be able to find things in the community to be able to do that group of people that I swim with there in Ashland is just the most amazing people I've ever met actually and it was really amazing too just as a, as a person who worked remotely I found out there was this two other swimmers that also worked remotely there was I was working for Microsoft at the time another person on our team worked at Microsoft like in a whole different you know division's huge company so it's not like we would ever cross paths but it was just really kind of cool and then there was a couple other people there that also work remotely so we all really thrived on you know being able to get together in the morning we do a morning swim and once the lake started warming up, we'd go out to Immigrant Lake and swim in Immigrant Lake two or three times a week. And that team, is, they got me through having one baby, <laughs> two babies, <laughs> just, you know, just really op- just supporting me along the way. I remember my first son, I'd bring him to the deck. Because <laughs> we take turns coaching for each other. We don't um, pay a coach, so we take turns coaching um, 
on being on deck and I'd bring him, he'd sit on deck and <laughs> whoever was on deck coaching would just sit. <laughs> so every so while I'd get my laps in before I had to like get into work for the day. So it takes a village. It takes a village. It's it's a village is a village of swimmers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So what got you, you, you said you always were a swimmer. So you were swimming in Colorado growing up? Is I swam in Colorado growing up and ended up, it was interesting, when I lo- started looking into colleges, I wanted the option to like walk onto a team because I wasn't good enough to, to like swim. In, like, I was good enough, I could swim in college, but I wasn't good enough to like, get a scholarship or anything like that. So I wanted the option to walk onto a team. So when I, when I was, but I was looking into engineering programs at the time and I, um, would so, I'd, but I'd meet with the like, swim coaches when I would go like tour the campus or whatever. I was looking at going to school actually in Eugene because I'd been out when I was a teenager, did a traveling swim meet out in somewhere around the Eugene area. I was only 14, <laughs> but we, we'd seen we'd um, it was one of those things where one of those trips where we we swam in a pool, we went to the sand dunes, and then we stopped at the coast, and, you know, like, we got to see just the amazing things about Oregon, just in one little weekend for us when we, as a teenager, so I ch- was checking out, I think, OSU, or no, Corvallis, yeah, OSU, that's right, <laughs> I think it makes sense, <laughs> um, and then uh, Northern Arizona University, I guess I've always kind of had an attraction to mountains, probably growing up in Colorado, but wanting there to be water nearby. Um, but I ended up going to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I found out about a, a Colorado-New Mexico tuition agreement that would grant me in-state tuition, and it ended up, it seemed like it would be more affordable, and my money my parents had saved up would go last longer. Like, it doesn't, everything about it just seemed to make sense. And the mountains there are beautiful in the, the Sandias, right outside Albuquerque, and um, and I, I didn't really have a, my, wa- my water was all pool-based, and I had a pool there, and I didn't end up walking onto the swim team or anything. I just decided to figure out what land sports I could possibly <laughs> do <laughs> at 17 or 18 and um yeah had an amazing experience there I actually got into water polo when I was in U- at UNM which took me out to Southern California meeting an amazing network of water polo players that um was its own <laughs> piece of history at this point well it actually it was it became helpful I think to have been a water polo player, you learn a lot of, you know, like heads up swimming, wanting to know which way the ball's going so that you're not going the wrong direction when the team's going the other way. And those kinds of, that kind of awareness, I feel like helps out a lot in swimmers. There's a lot of swimmers that, you know, when you, when you bring them to the open water, you want them to be able to be conscious of what they're doing when their head's down and they're swimming, but you want them to be able to look up and look around for hazards or if there's a person next to you paddling or whatever. So yeah. I think it, that it's an important part of my story because it, because it's, it was, a really, I think it's some really helpful skills that you learn yeah. from um, water polo, but um, I haven't since there's an amazing community of water polo players in Ashland, but I've never been able to latch in time-wise, <laughs> but it's, it was really neat to know that it was, that it was here too. Excellent. And so you came here, mm-hmm. and you dove right in to dove right into the swimming, yep. into the swimming, and then you started. When did when did Intrepid Water start? And oh, tell me goodness. a little bit about this. And one of the things like I love is the gain comfort and confidence. So mm-hmm. it, it sounds like it's not just for people who are full-on swimmers right of which I am not yeah well <laughs> I can swim yes but I never 
learn. I never did a swim team or anything mm-hmm. like that. So the, the breathing and all of that, yeah. and I'm comfortable being in water, but yeah. piqued my interest. And, yeah. It's been a really interesting, I guess, realization for me, even like having always been a swimmer and now having started in Shepherd Water, we'll come back to that, is realizing how to reach more non-swimmers. Like the swimmer label is exclusive to the extent of like, oh, like I'm not, I'm comfortable in water, but I'm not a swimmer, right? (laughs) It's easy to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not that. But there is so much, I think, that can be gained by, I guess, just spending more time in and around and on the water. I don't know if you've heard of Blue Mind, Jay Nichols. Mm-hmm. Great. There's a there's scientists studying the effects of being in and around and on water, which and why it's so important to us. But as a I guess as a coach, I don't want someone who thinks that they're not a swimmer to think that there's nothing to be like I want people to come to the water. I want to figure out how to get more people to the water because I guess well, it's a very important resource, right? It's critical to our survival. It is very critical yeah, to our Yeah, and I figure the more people that can appreciate being in, on, and around the water, the more we can raise, I guess, I think I've called it before, the, the our water IQ, and that we can preserve that very precious resource both for swimming and playing on drinking, fishing, any type of water sport, but we, you know, we need it to be clean. We need it to be flowing. We need it to be, we need it to exist. (laughs) So I figured the more people I can bring to the water. Intrepid Water started in 2017, I believe. I um, had, after I had my son in 2014, I think I was with Microsoft another year and had a couple job changes and um, adjusting as a 40-year-old mom to uh, <laughs> not working. <laughs> well, to, to like having, I, I think I went from having one son and I had a nanny and I was trying to work at home and keep being online and doing work and, and but then try to figure out how to be a mom at that age too. It was challenging, but had, I guess, some work changes and really, I guess I had this draw to being with my kids more, but it was hard because I had this really long history of working <laughs> a lot, um, for, for a corporate kind of go get them culture. But I, I guess I still kind of wanted to try like maybe being a stay at home mom, but that ended up being really hard. So I'm like, what could I do? Cause I felt like this need to keep, to like be contributing financially to our family. I was home with two kids and had put an endless pool in my backyard in 2016 because I knew I wanted to keep swimming. I knew it was going to be harder to keep swimming with two little kids to make it to practices Mm -hmm. and things all the time. So we've got an endless pool in my backyard. And then I was like, I think I was talking to friends and whoever about about wanting to be able to share my love of the water with people and... Like, I wish there was something I could do. And they're like, well, why don't you do something? That's kind of how the question came up. It's like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I grew up as a teenager as a lifeguard, swim, swim. Um, it's just one of those things that have been so many life events that had happened since this, since I was growing up. But like, I grew up around pools and I grew up teaching swim lessons. I coached a 
kids swim team as part of my college career. So I had helped um, six to 18 year olds for four different summers, help them, you know, just figure out what they could do in the water. And I was like, wait a second, I could have swim lessons like right here in my backyard. How cool would that be? And then I came to know what a pool desert we have here in Tolton, Oregon. <laughs> so we have a bit of a shortage of pools and there's not quite enough places for people to lessons. So people, I was able to just kind of open my doors and say, hey, I'd love to offer swim lessons, wanting kids to be safe around the water. It's obviously very important. And I started coaching, started with lessons. I had a few triathletes that were kind of referred to me because I knew a couple people who did like Ironman triathlon. And so I was trying to help them out and just decided to kind of formalize it and call it Intrepid Water. And it was on the journey, I guess, I was kind of talking about the swimmer label and like, it's like, it really is to me about the comfort and confidence to, well, just, I guess, to be in the water. But as I, as my swimming journey matured to swimming longer and longer distances, I realized that it it's the comfort and confidence that allows you to do more, go more and be more comfortable and be in the water longer. And, and that's just, I guess I, I fell in love with endurance swimming, I think in 2009 and I've continued to kind of push distances, even with having had kids and trying to figure out how to train for that is so on ordeal <laughs> <laughs> add kids into the mix for anything mm-hmm. and it just yeah it's a lot of work it's a lot it's, it's, a, a, lot it's a whole other job yeah and when, when moms say that you know i'm not working anymore i just raise kids i'm like ah, yeah, ah, ah, yeah ah, you, are. you are working <laughs> you are very much working <laughs> so, absolutely yeah so you've had it since 2017 yeah. so it's been a few years and you've Got through COVID, okay? Uh, what happened there? Yeah, right. <laughs> it must have been an so, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it felt like it had some. I, I tried to have open water events. Um, I think it was probably. Well, I know 2020 was going to be. Or, yeah, I planned 2019, the fall of 2018. It's like, okay, I'm going to have this event. I'm going to do all these clinics and planned this really big year for 2020. And then COVID hit, and I tossed the yeah. plan. <laughs> like most of us did. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. But I had a bit, I guess I had an amazing network of, I guess we call ourselves marathon swimmers, which is a marathon, I guess, I, I think endurance swimming makes more sense maybe. I don't know. But, but marathon swimming, meaning it's like uh, 10 kilometers or longer, so like six miles or longer. It's kind of considered marathon swimming, but my favorite definition is, is it's just, it's a state of mind because it's just the ability to just keep pushing yourself in the water. I, going back to, you know, getting that going and trepid swimming. Yeah. And yeah. I want to know, like, how was that received? Oh, what, yeah. What were you, who were your clients primarily? Right. Who are they now? Yeah. Did that shift after 2020 and yeah. COVID and all of that? And what does yeah. that look like? Yeah. I felt like I was having, like, bits and starts of trying to get anything going and figuring out what, what to offer and how to reach people. I think it's been really hard for me. Like, as a mom, I was kind of able to get my tendrils out in the mom community uh, trying social media. Um, I have a, the community of swimmers that I swim with, but a lot of them are very proficient and they don't necessarily want to come to an intro to open water swimming clinic or something like that because okay. there are people yeah. that I swim with all the time. They're willing to su- support something if I was going to get something up, but trying to, how do I reach those 
people who would like to gain comfort confidence in the water, but they don't con consider themselves a swimmer, right? So there's, um, if it's, it felt like it's been a bit of a trick to try to figure out how to reach people. So toss the schedule in 2020 for that. Um, I had already did done a little bit online with some virtual clients and people who I'd have I done much online? I don't know. I definitely took everything online in 2020. And I had this idea to, like, once pools started shutting down and the swimming community kind of at large was very much grieving, not being able to be with their people, I had this idea to get together virtually, which is um, somewhere I was very comfortable creating meetings and whatever online because I'd worked in corporate mm -hmm. virtual world for many, many, many years. So I created what at the time was called virtual swim practice, and I invited a couple friends, and I did, I did have a couple virtual clients um, that I invited to come meet, and at first we kind of lamented pools shutting down and what's this going to be like, it was a little bit whining, and then I um, decided to start having guests and interviewing people, and so that became my podcast, Marathon Swim Stories, which... Where, where can we find your podcast? <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. Podcasts are out. Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all of them. And it's uh, called? Marathon Swim Stories. Awesome. Okay. Yes. And I guess I like to, I think I, I think the title currently, because it changes sometimes, is the, the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers. <laughs> and I think, I guess one of the things I really got, at first I started interviewing like people with kind of these amazing resumes who swam around Manhattan Island and across the English Channel and the Catalina Channel and done all these amazing swims. But then I started realizing I really actually went in finding out about their story. Some of them maybe started swimming when they were in their 30s or they started swimming when they were even older and like did not everyone necessarily was a like me like a pool rat <laughs> and and so then it, it became really interesting to kind of see where people come from and to know that it really just takes a little I feel like it's just kind of a little switch you have to turn to like oh wait what you know what else could I do how could I go further it's that it I think that the state of mind part is it's not not everything is necessarily time-based there's there's more to swimming if you make it a personal discovery. If you kind of can let go of the clock and just see like what you could do in the water, it's kind of interesting to see like how relaxed you can be, how com comfortable can you be, how much can you trust yourself to swim further. And um, I guess that's been a little bit of my own journey, but also kind of trying to help other swimmers um, in my virtual coaching who help them kind of flip that switch to like not it's not because in the open water your times aren't comparable necessarily like a triathlete I think there's a lot of I see triathletes try to compare like uh you know the the last triathlon I did to this one but like if the if the if the wind is worse or the course is a little bit longer like they, they're just things and they're not comparable like one day is different to another so it really I guess for me it's helped to like let go of all of that and it really just to be about me and my my experience in the water and how far can I swim but going back to my client base so I currently have a combination of virtual clients that I maybe find through marathon swim stories through my podcast or or just just kind of our bigger our little I guess it is a niche the marathon swim community but it is it's still it's it's worldwide it's very very global and and when you think about I guess that like I think it's something like 1,500, I hope I have the number right, like people swim across the English Channel, you know, I, there's, there's bodies of water, you know, it's, what, 
70% of our earth, right? There's yeah. a lot of water out there and there's people all over the world trying to see what they could do in the water. And so I remember when I started the podcast, one of my friends was like, won't you run out of people to talk to? And I was like, no, I'll never run out of people to talk to, which is kind of amazing in itself. Um, but uh, so I've got my virtual clients. I did do, I did finally get things together this year. I had a clinic at, at Daniel Meyer Pool in Ashland in May and had a little group of swimmers where we were working on, I guess it was called efficient swimming fundamentals. And so um, efficiency is a big thing that I push, I guess, kind of going back to the like letting go of the clock. It's like the more efficient you can be in the water, the more like everything your experience can be. So I hope to do more clinics like that in the fall and in the future going forward. While I love my animals pool in my backyard and I still host uh, kids, a lot of kids lessons there, adults when as well, it's always just trying to fit things. I protect a lot of time with my kids because I'm trying to be part of their life <laughs> since I probably had worked for so many years before. So are you doing classes both at that's the what house I was going to say. And yeah. Elsewhere, now that we have pools, we have pools open. open and stuff, right? Um, well, that's the thing, I guess. So the pool in the backyard is great, but it's not a very big venue. Mm-hmm. I, and I've tried to think through in my head how I could have a clinic and we could meet, bring people through the water for little things. And I think I could do it. Just have to figure it out. So it's more about having a venue. Mm-hmm. So we need. Um, I guess there's Daniel Meyer. Um, I don't, I need to, I, I think it was a pre-pandemic thing where I was starting to work on making connections with, you know, the clubs that have pools or the Y or wherever has pools. I thought about doing things up at Lake of the Woods too, but it's like finding that sweet spot when it's warm enough and Mm -hmm. smoky. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You definitely don't want to be swimming in the smoke. Yeah. 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 Doing anything in the smoke outdoors like that is, yeah. Yeah. The downside. So There's, far, that's the only downside the only that I've downside. really heard. Yeah. Do you, I know. Do you have any downsides of living in Oregon besides uh, just the smoke? Yeah. yeah, and that's only been pretty recent in recent yeah. years. So yeah, so indoor pools. Yes, there are exactly. <laughs> and there's always it's always good to work. I, I guess I try to get people to work on technique. So it's like once the waters open up in the spring, which is always a beautiful thing around here, and you can get out to the lakes and the reservoirs are full. It's a beautiful, um, beautiful time of year. And then the waters just get warmer and warmer, so you can swim further and further. But then there's always a time when it's kind of like to take stock and um, and do, I guess, come back to more like technique work, fundamentals, like you know, I guess I kind of, I take my, personally, my own swimming goes through kind of the seasonal cycles mm-hmm. of things and um, and that makes sense. Yeah. Tell me, I, I guess I'm kind of curious that the marathon stories, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're saying, you there's lots of people out there mm-hmm. doing these kinds of swims. Is there a commonality of, of, of the type of person I mean, I know not everybody, you know, is a natural, like, oh, I started this young, but Mm -hmm. do you see a commonality in the type of person that does that kind of... I've, I guess, it's interesting. I've heard people say that we're type A people and I am not a type A person. So I know that that's not the commonality. I think the commonality is the switch has been flipped from 
I mean, there's probably, there's definitely my customers out there that are trying to beat the English channel record or the whatever record. There's some, there's, but there's this more, there's also this pioneering spirit, which is kind of fascinating to me where I see people who want to swim swims that have never been done before, or there's a commute, there's a group called the Marathon Swimmers Federation that'll help you document a body of water that's maybe never been swum so that you could be the first person that's ever swam a certain place, which is which is kind of neat. One of the people I was interviewing, he was saying how he's like, once he started marathon swimming that he like, he just had to keep doing it because the people that you meet are so amazing. And it's, I think it's kind of true because I mean, marathon swimming is pretty raw. The, by, we try to maintain the, uh, like the first person to swim across the Matthew Webb was the first person to swim across the English channel in 1890. I want to say, but about that time period, and he swam in a swimsuit, and he may even not have had goggles, and his head may have been out of the water, whatever. But we try to maintain like this, this, and this like integrity of swimming that you you're not in a wetsuit. You're wearing um, a a swimsuit, a cap, and goggles, and you're allowed earplugs, and that's it. <laughs> and so, um, and and so you're almost naked. You're yeah. you're signing yourself up to see whatever mother nature has in store that day that you're going out to swim and, and you're just going to try to surrender to that and, and get to the other side or some people get to the other side and they go back. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, I, it, I think it's the, t- the type of, it's a person that's willing to put themselves in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Pioneering spirit. I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. What have you seen out in the water? I never really thought about oh that. Oh my gosh. I mean, of course everyone's fear is the shark, right? But of yeah. course that's not you know, I, <laughs> on my swim this morning, I dropped my kids off for hiking camp and I went out to Applegate Lake and I was just realizing how much I've become so much more comfortable. Cause I remember <laughs> the first, I remember the first time I swam in Immigrant Lake with my friends at, at Applegate and uh, my friends at, excuse me, at River Valley Masters. And they, we went out and they just like, Oh yeah, we meet here. And I like missed the turn and I couldn't find the place. And we finally met up and they're like, Oh yeah, we just swim to like that bush over there. And then we go around the corner and, and then you come back. And I, I mean, I had done a f- several open water swimming events at this point, but I still was always on the edge in the water and I wasn't, necessarily comfortable opening my eyes under the water this just having grown up a pool swimmer where everything's clear and blue and you see the reflections of the water on the bottom of the pool like yeah. that's not the experience of the lake right, <laughs> right. And the it's a little bit brown it's a little bit mucky you don't necessarily want it in your mouth <laughs> but um i i like the it's it's like i think it's an exposure thing the more you do it the easier it gets just yeah. like with anything, anything yeah. and i I, I haven't seen my, the short answers. I haven't seen much <laughs> in the waters around here, but it, I become, but, but I guess what I would tell people is like, like it's, it's so worth it to like, to find that comfort and that mm-hmm. confidence to push yourself. Well, it's the mental challenge, right? It's it's the mental challenge. I feel that way about scuba diving. Mm-hmm. Every time I scuba yeah. dive, it takes me a good little chunk of time yeah. to first dive to kind of 
okay, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Focus on my breathing calmly. Yes. You know, it, it's yes. a mental challenge more than anything else. Yeah. So, but it, but the reward again, when you're down there is just amazing. Yeah. Of course I'm going to keep doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I admire people who scuba. I'm like, at the gear. It is a lot of gear. Gear intensive sports. I'm like, yeah. It's intensive. But I love, but I wish that I, I yeah, I, but I wish to maybe try it at some point. I'm like, I don't know. If you don't feel it when you're down there, really, right. it just kind of disappears. That's right. the beauty of it. It's the in and the out. <laughs> it's real clunky. Right. Well, I'm also really curious. So I remember seeing this and looking into it when my daughter was born. Infant swimming, mm. where they do this intensive training. Do you... What is that exactly? I well, saw it and it was super crazy expensive and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe not. Yeah, was it the but, water safe one where they like they, they, they do some intensive week or two long two yeah, weeks and then and at the end they throw them in the water and they get to the edge? Yes. Yeah, I've heard of it and I look I think I looked into it at one point. Um, and we're talking newborn, newborn. Newborn. Okay, newborn. that's different. It, it's okay. like three months old. Okay. You know, like baby baby. Okay. I mean, I've heard of it, like, and, and maybe they start, maybe that's I the youngest, and yeah. it's up to, like, a year, up but there about is a year. some, yeah. yeah, I've heard of that, it's definitely not my style of teaching, yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but the fact of the matter that I guess is worth, is worth mentioning is that when we are born, we are water oh, creatures, yeah. we've been nine yeah. months breathing <laughs> water, <laughs> any other fluid, anyway, and, and it, and we are naturally comfortable floating in water. And, and as we become more terrestrial, we have a hard time letting go of those yeah. terrestrial things. And we, a lot of times when you bring someone into the water, the first thing we have to do is shed that, our terrestrial understanding and go back to, I guess it's finding the, I guess, I mean, it's not like, I try to tell people to remember but you can breathe a lightness into your body that will allow you I mean people, 98% there's so many almost all of us float <laughs> maybe, maybe a tiny tiny person that, that there's a tiny percentage of people that wouldn't float but everybody can if they let themselves just about everybody can if they let themselves and um there really is a, it, it, it is just, I think, an interesting thing to, to realize is that, you know, like we came from being in, a, in the water, I guess, personally, I want to go back to the water when I die, so I'm just going to spend as much time in the water as I can while yeah. I'm here, too. But, um, yeah, I just I just had remembered seeing that, and it was such an unusual thing but they it was it was very intensive in that you had to arrive that was the other thing it was expensive and it was also you had to show up for a half an hour mm-hmm. every day for two weeks and for me it was a very it was a long drive each way so yeah. it was just like uh as a new mom yeah <laughs> Matt, right no never mind that's not happening but yeah, I, yeah. She's, she's become a swimmer without any right <laughs> <laughs> you know without any instigation really from me except mm-hmm. putting her in swim lessons and her yeah. really enjoying it so yeah. that's really great yeah that's great well I would love to hear you've already mentioned a couple mm-hmm. of your favorite spots to swim Applegate Lake Emigrant mm-hmm. do you have any other um yeah I get well I guess you know what's interesting and so amazing about Southern Oregon is we have so many rivers here we can pop over the coast and so 
um, as I have tried to become more comfortable in the open water, which I think, mm-hmm. like I said, while I had done quite a bit of open water swimming coming here, I don't, I didn't really find any comfort um, in being in the open water until I'd say the last couple of years where I've had to swim a little bit more by myself because of my scheduling and always, which I don't recommend for just anyone, <laughs> but, um, or in smaller groups or whatever, but um, have being able to, we've had times where we've like rented a house on the river to meet up with family and so I'll go swim in the Rogue River and then that's kind of cool. I have seen fish swimming in the Rogue River <laughs> and or we'll be out at the coast and I try to get the courage up to jump in the ocean there, which is, I don't, I'm not so much, I don't have as much issues with the cold as it's more like the the currents and reading the water. Yeah. I don't, I just, I'm still learning about how to read ocean waters and become more comfortable in salt water. But having all of those opportunities at our doorstep is really cool. So, but there's definitely more also just in that, the overhead of parenting. I end up going back to some of the same spots instead of, yeah, instead of opening up. I have made it up to Waldo, which is an absolutely amazing mm-hmm. place. It's about three hours away, but there, there's, a, there's a lot of, well, I'm like, I guess there's a whole Oregon open water swimming circuit where they have events at all different lakes up and down Oregon. Like in the Willamette River, there's the Portland Bridge Swim, and they have like a one or two mile cable swim at Foster Lake, and then an Eel Lake down at the coast, they have a swim there. Our team hosts a swim at Applegate Lake. So I've been to some other lakes in the area, and we just we just have such amazing, amazing resources here we that do. you really can just pop pop over to. I know water. We have we have we do have a fair amount of water, even in our drought. Yes. We still have water, which I love. Yeah. Well, tell me some of the other things that you love. Uh, places, I guess. Places, yeah. businesses, things like that. I love to hear that so that listeners can kind of get a sense mm-hmm. of where you like to hang out. And as somebody with kids, too, you know, I know that informs, too, a lot about where you go and what right. you're doing. Well, we we live in town, and as you may know, in mm-hmm. 20, was it night 20, that one together. It was 2020, yeah, right? 2020, in the Alameda Fire. So we lost a lot of our businesses in downtown talent, but a lot of things are coming back. And just in the last couple of weeks, it's been just as we're getting into summer, swing of things with my kids, we'll take them to camp. And it's really, it's really fun to pick them up from soccer camp last week. And we popped into, on our way home into talent, there's a new bento place that opened up oh. next to the talent club that has amazing chicken teriyaki and just, you know, kid-friendly things. There's always pump houses walking distance from our house, and um, we love going to Artbot. We were, I feel like before they were able to open up their whole beer garden that they have, um, we were meeting Kimber and Dave, like when they were just like, you could get to go growlers <laughs> and, um, and they, and they've done a great job ex- expanding and having this big place to sit and they have tons of games and things to do, which is always great for the kids and music. And so I love going to our pop. And um, we have a new coffee shop. We just tried to put the kids there the other day. The Vintage just opened up next to Gather, which been into once or twice, too, which was where the old downtown coffee used to be. So 
I mean, we end up going to Common Block, it feels like, all the time. It ends up being a nice place to meet up with people between uh, Jacksonville and Talent or whatever. We have that great outdoor seating. Oh, my gosh. Nice. It's been amazing. Yeah. yeah. I know. That's one thing that I feel so grateful for is that... You know, when you say pandemic proof, it's like, it's just, we have so many outdoor options. Oh my you know, gosh, we're all not, year long. I'm <laughs> from the Bay Area and I just see down there everybody scrambling and creating these little tiny places on a street and get rid of that parking yeah. and, you know, you're on a sidewalk and here we're just got a big open field (laughs) (laughs) or big open space. We just have so much more open space and that's Mm -hmm. been really lovely. So I've appreciated that as well. Well, thank you for sharing those. That's awesome. And we'll put all of that stuff in the show notes. How can people find you if they want to take swimming lessons, if they want to learn to get more comfortable in the water, if they want to get little tips, if they want to. Yeah. Yeah. Intrepidwater.com is my website. It's been brought to my attention by a few moms who've been trying to schedule swim lessons. It's a little hard to navigate for swim lessons because it's, I just, I've moved everything to like, to reach people virtually. So there's talks a lot on there about finding your swim freedom, but, um, Shannon at intrepidwater.com, send me an email, hook you up and I'll Perfect. try to get the local side of my website back up and running soon because I'm having an open water clinic this weekend at Applegate Lake on Sunday. Lovely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to put all of that in the show notes so that we'll have that there. And then we'll also have your podcast mm, yeah. so people can listen to the marathon stories. Yeah. And yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Well, we'll be back again next week. Until then, have a good one. This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.